Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Darcy Thompson-Fields. And my name is Nathan Anibaba and this is the CEO of our digital show. This is an open-ended exploration of markets, technology, trends, ideas and strategies that will help you better deliver results for your company and your stakeholders. You can learn more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. So Nathan, what was your biggest takeaway from today's episode? Yeah, I absolutely love speaking to Scott. I especially liked his ideas around how to build a partner ecosystem to make sure that everyone involved gets some value from the partnership. I thought those are really interesting ideas. Yes, so important. What about you? Um, I actually really liked learning about his role as Chief Growth Officer. You know, it's one of those that's quite a new addition to the C-suite and quite unusual, but it sits at such an important position between sales and marketing where, you know, alignment is always uh, an obstacle and something that every organisation is looking to solve. Well, shall we get into the interview? Let's do it. Our guest this week is Scott Vaughan, Chief Growth Officer at Integrate. Scott is a business-driven marketing executive with strategic PL and hands-on experience in marketing, customer and revenue leadership roles. He works hard to find and exploit organizations' secret source for growth and serve as a business catalyst connecting marketing, sales, customer success, product to markets, customers and GTM channels. He operates as CMO, executive, board member, advisor, practitioner, speaker and writer on all things marketing, technology and business. Scott Vaughan, welcome to the CEO.Digital show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And, and uh, yeah, it was a mouthful. That's good. Quite, quite the list of accolades. <laughs> I think it's been, I've been around a while and, and enjoy and, and passionate uh, around all those topics. Good. I think you have a lot to offer our listeners today. And you're a classically trained marketer, right? And you've spent 25 years in various marketing leadership positions, including CMO and CRO. So we wanted to kick off by asking you, what is the one piece of advice you would give to your fellow marketing leaders for success today? Well, I I think that my jungle gym of being in marketing and sales and, and customer success and general management roles has been helpful. And yeah, I'm a marketer at heart. And with marketing, I think you have to be curious and understand the market and get a pulse of what's happening using both uh, research and data and also a qualitative field. So one of the things that I do is I try to really be in market um, and get a pulse of what's happening and get a trend uh, line so that you can play both chess and checkers, being able to be strategic and look out and, and, and kind of work back to what's happening in those markets I think that's the most valuable um, activity that you can bring uh, to the business today because we are in a very dynamic, uh, you know, some volatility because of the current state, but markets are dynamic and the more you have a pulse on them and the more you're quote unquote on the shop floor, uh, the more you can really understand what those levers are to pull in order to direct your brand, direct your company, uh, direct your strategy. You're currently the Chief Growth Officer for Integrate. For those who don't know, tell us what problems Integrate solves for their customers. Sure. Integrate's a marketing software company, kind of a a new breed in in the digital world. So uh, the Integrate software and set of solutions actually works across the top of all the demand channels 
that B2B companies are using to generate demand and lead. So the software connects all of your advertising to your events, to your online events, to your social. And as those, that data and leads are generated, the software actually validates, governs uh, that to make sure all the lead data is accurate and opt-in, very important in the compliance world today. Definitely. Um, and adds intelligence to it. What's happening overall with that account? What's happening um, across that buyers? What else has happened with those buyers? And then um, pushes that data into your other systems or record like uh, customer relationship management, CRM, and marketing automation. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really all about orchestration and ability to be able to deliver really intelligent buyer and account journeys today. So it's fun kind of being on the on the a little bit more of the leading edge of innovation in the B2B space. So tell us about some of the interesting things that you're working on with Integrate right now. What things have captured your interest? What things are you focusing on? And what sort of innovation are you bringing to the world currently? Yeah, so the B2B marketing space, or it's known as marketing technology or MarTech, um, <clears throat> frankly, has been quite boring over the last few years. We had the first generation, which really changed marketing, labeled as marketing automation. I'm using air quotes here because technology wasn't something that marketing used. We, uh, we marketers were the arts and craft department and the, the data one-sheeters and the people that did trade shows and all good stuff. But marketing automation and marketing technology allowed marketing to take the next step in business, um, to be able to measure things, to be able to contribute to the business a little bit more. But frankly, we've stalled. It hasn't been that innovative. So it's real exciting now to be working on uh, a much more data-driven, a much more connected, where marketing's not just connected inside its own department, but connecting it to sales, connecting it to customer success so that you really have a lot more full customer life cycle. And we've, in, in B2C, you talk about, oh, delivering experiences. In B2B, it's a little bit more mechanical and automated. So really breaking down those barriers and using software as a foundation, but really unleashing a lot more of that creativity and, and allow you to connect to those buyers in different ways. I think that's the next generation in B2B marketing, um, not losing that data driven, uh, but really being able to move it to the next level where you're uh, able to use that data and activate it uh, to deliver experiences. Absolutely. And it helps, doesn't it? You know, the market's gone digital and digital transformation is definitely up there again as a top one or two initiative for the C-suite. Um, so can you touch on how that plays out and also how marketers can use that to drive their own initiatives into their own advantage? Yeah, nothing like capitalizing on a good uh, pandemic and global uncertainty. Uh, exactly. Digital transformation, used, <laughs> it's been around, we all know that, uh, but it was something, hey, we'll get to it and we have a five-year plan, we have a seven-year plan. Well, for many businesses, it became a two or three-month plan to, as the world went remote, that means businesses had to go digital and uh, be digital first, not just have some digital stuff. Uh, for marketing, it's it's uh, something that uh, you it, it's a must-have today. Your, your buyers are predominantly able to do a tremendous amount of homework and research online um, and find information about your company, about your solution, about your competitors. Uh, there's review sites today. There are peer and social networks 
that you can tap into get to get a short list very quickly. Um, and this has put more pressure on marketing to play a more active role and be in the places that their buyers um, are actually researching and, and want to do their homework. Not a new concept, but a new mandate that has been accelerated because uh, of how you know, B2B professionals were all working remote or working from home. And uh, so we're on an accelerated curve here. We'll see how it plays out. This, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> it will. And, you know, it's a lot of pressure for not only the CMO, but also, uh, you know, your marketing team. So how do you think that we're doing in making that transition to a digital first world? Yeah, it, it, it's a big transition. Um, it's have and have nots because you have to put in some foundation. Uh, that doesn't mean a bunch of technology. But in order to get the data, uh, you have to have some kind of infrastructure and foundation that's built. Um, you have to play different, hire and play different roles on your team. Uh, you can't just have, hey, I'm the digital person or I'm the digital team. It has to be a culture and a mindset. Um, and you have to be able to make sure that everybody has that digital first mindset to you be able to use the data, uh, be able to learn from it. A lot of people use um, digital and, and try to prove and attribute this one thing they did versus, not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way, but versus trying to look at the whole um, connectivity across the buyers and across the accounts and really use digital to create demand, um, not just drive individual leads. And it's, it's a big transition, especially out of many of the industrial companies who are less digitally mature could fall back and rely on live events. Absolutely. You could go to 20 trade shows and 15 events and throw 30 steak dinners and you could probably hit a number of leads that you generated for your contribution. Sure. Yeah. But that's not really the game. Marketing has to play a much larger role in the full customer life cycle um, and, and work much more closely with sales and customer success, et cetera. Mm. Let's talk about your role as chief growth officer. It seems as though the CGO is a bit of an emerging trend recently. Tell us a little bit more about the role. What does a chief growth officer do? What do you care about? And where does that fit in the evolving scene of the chief marketing officer role? Yeah, I, I think it's the right role, right time here at Integrate and other companies. It's And it's defined, as I understand, as I meet other people with the title, it's always the first question we ask, so what do you do? Uh, so it's it's not necessarily a formal role, but we know that's the mandate uh, by shareholders. It's the mandate by boards um, to drive growth. So in this case, um, it's it's a catalyst job uh, that I sit and work with the CMO and CRO uh, on go to market strategies that are going to drive growth. Um, in my case, we uh, are a software that's called Integrate, so it's big on connecting to other. Uh, data systems to be able to make all the digital transformation happen. So uh, we run a partner ecosystem. So that means strategic alliances and partnerships are a big growth initiative. We're a high growth company. So going into other markets are part of the charter and, and building strategies and thought leadership to enter markets is part of chief growth officer. And then identifying new opportunities um, in different segments and different types of things. So you kind of put that in a blender. Uh, it's very measurable job. I have objectives, key results that are focused around driving uh, revenue growth, um, market expansion, um, and hitting specific things. But 
uh, it's a real interesting job. You get a full view of the customer and prospects and your partners. Internally, you work across uh, marketing, sales, customer success, and product. And I, I, hats off to our, our CEO, Jeremy Bloom, who saw the need and the opportunity uh, and maybe some desire on my part to work that way. And it's what was needed in our, our company is we're a high-growth software company. Really fascinating. So, so you talk about the partner ecosystem there. Could you talk a little bit about what's involved in building that ecosystem out? Um, what goes into creating an e- ecosystem to make sure that everyone involved gets some value from the partnership? Boy, a uh, great question. I mean, that boy, you just hit the summary line. And what's happening in marketing today is that we talked a little bit about, but if you're not, if your data is not connected, if your technology is not connected, if your team's not connected, it's really, really hard to deliver a great experience or any kind of an intelligent buyer account journey. So our product's called Demand Cloud and our software is at the center of it, but you can build your own. So that means that you may need to plug in your data providers, um, your media providers and media partners. You may need to plug in your events. You may need to plug in your social networks that you're doing campaigns and activity like LinkedIn and Facebook into this system. So that's really what building an ecosystem where they, uh, one plus one can equal five. If you come together and you're connected, you can drive more value for both companies um, and the resulting joint customer. So what makes a great partnership in this uh, arena is one that delivers value back to all parties, um, that is measurable. Um, We figured that out. And also knowing how to tier those partners, because some partnerships may need a lot more strategic and customization and programs. Others made me straight uh, APIs, just the connectivity part of it. So being able to read that and and come together and build a structure around it, um, we have a, a, a great leader on, on our team, on my team, uh, Colby, who's doing all of that in, in our demand cloud ecosystem. I'll tell you, though, it's, it is like bringing a world together. So there's a lot of patience and communications on both parts sure. to try to make these things happen. You sit in quite a unique position as chief growth officer in terms of overseeing both sales and marketing. And that can be such sometimes such a fraught, but sometimes such a great relationship. But ultimately, those teams need to be working together. How is it aligning them, especially now we all sit remotely? Yeah, um, so I actually report to the CRO and my CMO is uh, what I, we call our BFF, best friend uh, forever, right? We are so close and tight on, on go-to-market. So it's not I, I, I handle or run both. I actually try to bring both together naturally in the market. And they already have a, a great working relationship, which is fabulous. But it's, it takes a while to earn that. These are my own opinions Just seeing it not at just at Integrate, but getting to work with so many B2B companies in my role, um, sales and marketing will never align. It's, it's a pipe dream. It's think about it. They're two very different roles and people. What you hope to do is take it to the next level where you can integrate, uh, those, those teams in a way that's going to make sense. And what do I mean by that? Do they have a common set of goals? Uh, is the systems that they're using, um, also connected? So the common set of data that's being used around 
not just success, but around the customer, around the prospects, around the partners, the things that are going to be required um, to deliver against the end goals. I think alignment, um, one of the problems is when things are going well, hey, we're aligned. When things change or there's a dynamic market situation, if those things aren't integrated and truly more connected, you have a, a you, you run into trouble. And, and that's the difference today. I think it has to be more of, um, I'll use a golf analogy, one swing. You can't stop in the middle and start. But the more you can work towards that goal, um, I think the more impact that you're actually having. Definitely. Well, it's obviously not just the uh, sort of sales and marketing relationship that's affected, but also the buyer-seller relationship that is drastically changing uh, as we've kind of been forced into this rapid digitization. So could you touch on that impact and, you know, how we can make the most of it? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to speak from a business-to-business perspective. Uh, we know that there's, you know, a low of five or six people, and I'm not talking, you know, mid to large size enterprise, five to six people involved, up to 50 people involved in the purchase, depending. We know it takes somewhere between 15 and 20 touches to make a connection. Um, and buyers, as we talked about earlier, want to be anonymous. They want to do some homework and research. And, and so you put this all together and the buyer seller tension is pretty tense. Salespeople are trying to reach out. Uh, marketing's trying to reach out and we've automated a lot of stuff. So you could see where this could get off cadence and you become yeah. really, uh, if it's not coordinated and not connected, see why alignment can fall down and you could overwhelm the prospect to say, I, I that experience is horrible. I don't want to talk to you guys or work with you guys. So this, this is what we mean in this next step of you really have to ha- understand the roles. You have to be able to put a foundation in so you get the data so that you can actually um, really deliver a, a journey that they can map to and that they can drive. Easy to say, uh, hard to do, and a big step forward from where we are um, today in, in, in the process. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the brand versus demand gen debate that's been raging over the years. A lot of organizations have brand teams, uh, some have demand teams. How should we think about merging those two teams together, especially as the CMO who may have just come in has a tight revenue number to hit? We know that the longer tail and the more successful strategy is the brand building one, but often they don't have the time to implement that. Yeah, I, I don't think you can do demand without brand. And I don't and I don't define brand as, hey, we ran some advertisements and we have a really cool campaign. Brand is the experience you deliver, the message and how you deliver it and through which channels. The brand is whatever they experienced if they engage with your website or, or talk, um, call into your company or on chat online. So I think that's the difference today that a CMO... Um, really can make a big difference is to look holistically at that customer and prospect and community connection. Um, and you can't do brand without demand and, and having a siloed brand team that's not fully understood and sharing a dashboard with your demand team, um, I think is a losing strategy. It's, it's there you lose your connectedness. You lose the data that everybody's working off of and from you lose the creativity of weaving the brand message um, through your content and all the things that we're using in marketing 
and sales to, to, to do outreach. So that, that wall must come down. Um, I just wrote a, a, a piece that I was really just an observation that I actually think that our B2B marketing organizations, the way we're organized, Nathan, as you said, brand, demand, social, may be holding us back from getting to those intelligent buyer journeys because um, it's like an Olympic swimming race. I've got social in one lane. I got event in another. I got brand in the third lane. And they're, they're racing. And they're all racing for the buyer's attention, Olympic gold. And right. you can visualize that where that's where, a, you know, the bad kind of swarm happens and not that coordinated um, integrated effort we've been talking about. Yeah. We, I think you, you know, this kind of follows on from that, but obviously, you know, over the last 10 years, MarTech has emerged as a must have and marketing has moved from, like you said, the lot of the sort of logo arts and crafts department to a real business driver. Um, so, you know, where is MarTech today and what role do you think it will play in the coming year to 24 months? So MarTech's become essential. Um, you have to be able to uh, I think for one, just to me- be able to measure and understand, not measure just for proof, although it's critical. Um, our CMO calls it defend the spend, but it's also so the folks on the front line know what's working and not. So by connecting this and using technology, you can do that. So MarTech is essential. Well, uh, like anything in a, in a, in a first wave, uh, we may have been overserved on MarTech to use a, a pub term here. We may have had a few, a bit too much. And so now yeah. what the phase we're going through is how do I get full utilization out of my MarTech? How do I streamline it? How do I make sure it's connected and connected uh, around your objectives and your priorities so that your team can use data so that those silos are broken down and the programs and campaigns and the, the work you're actually doing um, can be moved across those channels and, and orchestrated in that way. And so we're kind of entering the next chapter in MarTech um, or marketing technology, which I think will begin to work much better across with sales technology. And maybe it has more of a revenue technology. We'll see more of the focus on experiences, mm. not just automation. Uh, and there's a job function that's really rising in prominence. It's been around, but it's really rising in prominence uh, and it's marketing operations, or if you put marketing and sales operations, we're hearing the term revenue operations, mm-hmm. so that somebody is also helping us build uh, that connectivity, those dashboards, those things that the, the teams on the front line can sit and meet about and discuss and break down those silos. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting next chapter uh, in, in for, for B2B marketing in that sense and kind of get out of the status quo as people try to figure it out. I I think you're so right. And part of that status quo is, you know, getting a bit excited about the technology that we have access to and, you know, focusing on automation more than experience. So as we continue to take advantage of all the uses we have for MarTech, how can we, um, you know, ensure that we're still getting the human element and the connection element um, and prioritizing individual experiences? Yeah, well, that that's Darcy. You're asking the really, really good, you know, billion dollar question or billion pound <laughs> question in this case. And Can you tell that for us, please. No, yeah, it's so. I think that's why you have to be able to 
um, not over rely on automation. You have to have systems that, uh, and when I say systems, I'm not just saying technology um, that really are going to guide you on next steps. Um, you have to be able to put more human touch and you know where it starts And this. I know this may be the most boring thing ever, but it starts in conversational language. Um, mm -hmm. I know we have a challenge that we get into buzzwords. Marketing has a history of, of using a lot of words to describe what you do. And the more conversational and the easier you make it and the more you empower your people on the front lines to make decisions, that does help when they're buoyed by a, a strong data-driven foundation where they can go for information to understand where that uh, prospect or customer is or what the need is. They have access to tools, the things that they can do that's when you can actually deliver human experiences. Um, so it's really a little bit of, dare I say, old school and new school uh, and getting yeah. the culture right to be able to deploy that in a meaningful way. Scott, last couple of questions before we get into our speed round at the end of the interview that we ask everyone. Let's talk a little bit about COVID-19. I couldn't let you go without asking you a question around how you see the future of not only integrate, but uh, digital transformation. As so many of us are working at home, so many of us increasingly so are having some sort of hybrid model and you're having some employees working in the office all the time. So between working at home, the hybrid model and the back to the office sort of group, how are you structuring your teams right now and how should businesses be thinking about digital transformation in the new hybrid working environment? Yeah, so our, our executive team, I think, has done a great job. We're staying remote till at least January. Now, we're a little biased because we were remote from the get-go. So mm. over half of our employees are not in a, a standard office. So I'm going to take integrate a little bit off the table and make more of an observation. Um, as a student who's been working with a lot of organizations and studying what's going on, um, I don't think we fully know the answer, but I do think one thing is clear, things will change. And you're seeing this um, notion of a dynamic workplace. So you may not be in the office full time anymore, but you will come into spaces and collaborate with your colleagues at certain points around certain initiatives in different ways. So it's, we're gonna require the um, organization to be, uh, sorry, the office organization to be done differently. The dynamic workspaces probably mean more conference rooms and work areas than individual, you know, cubes or offices. And I think that's what's going to be interesting of how that plays out. Because I, while many of us have Zoom fatigue and online chat fatigue when you're on it for nine, 10 hours a day, that's too yeah. much. That's, that's very clear. We've reached our threshold. We can intelligently say that. But also I think people have figured out how to work remotely um, to be productive. There's a cost advantage. There's also, I think, a li life reality. The commuting, when you have a hour commute uh, or a two-hour commute round trip on a train or sitting in traffic, uh, that relief has been tremendous. Mm -hmm. So somewhere in there is the balance that we're going to see a very, very different work lifestyle and office setup uh, in this more dynamic workspace idea that um, I think will be pretty interesting. Also, I travel a great deal. We talked about earlier, in markets so important. Um, talking with our CEO and, and executive group, 
or talking about what that looks like in 2021. And I think it's probably about maybe a little more than half of what it was needed. Why? Because everybody's kind of in the same boat and working um, in this environment. So there's definitely going to be changes we see that come out of it. And I think some things for the very positive. Yeah. I think you can offer some quite unique advice having worked this way for quite a while successfully with Integrate. And, you know, what would be your top advice for sort of motivating and aligning a team remotely? Yeah, well, that that so working remotely, um, it was it was cool for about six weeks because I was home and not yeah. traveling. Uh, you get to week seven and eight and your days kind of start to run together. Um so I've seen a lot of teams do a lot of interesting things. One is um, a lot of not being on video all the time. Those are some basic things, but also bringing together groups and different types of brainstorming exercises. So not just having a meeting, but actually doing some brainstorming on collaborative um, screens and being able to do that type of thing to bring together people. And then third is what I see our HR team really promoting is some break the ice and, and, and other sessions for those who can and want to participate. It's not about Zoom and online chats and, and those kinds of things, but actually having some fun on, on calls and talking on stuff other than work to give a bit of relief. Definitely. And then last but not least, we have um, Friday afternoons where uh, basically if there's not anything customer pressing, um, we uh, actually shut down and no online meetings or calls or any of those things uh, to really try to keep that pressure valve, a little bit of air and release in it because it like can work get, for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's draining. Um, it, it can get really old really fast. But you're right. It's so important to keep that time for the personal as well as the professional, right? You miss out on those water cooler chats, those laughs, those moments. So I think being able to integrate that into your everyday is so important. Yeah, that it, getting that formula right is going to be, a, I think, a winning hand. And I also think some folks that were old school, companies that were old school, that said, you have to be in the office and it's 8 to 5.30 or whatever that we know I've worked in a different world. So I think that wake up call is, wow, this could be good. And there's, there's probably some cost advantages. Uh, your, your next podcast needs to be on with a real estate <laughs> and commercial real estate groups to see how that world's going to play out and, and play chess there. That's yeah. a more interesting equation. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they're probably too busy closing down some of their offices to, well, uh, to take what? the time to speak to us. Yeah, but if you're in commercial today and you're doing leasing, your activity is at an all-time high, so their business is great right now. But what does it look like a year or two years or three years from now? And uh, it will be chaos, and it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Another impact, not just from COVID-19, but from digital transformation. Very fascinating. Scott, let's get into our our speed round. It's been excellent speaking to you so far, but now we're going to ask you some of our personally favorite you're making me nervous Nathan <laughs> no need to be nervous these these are our these are the fun questions these are the easier ones a little bit more about you when you think about your own role and the way that your career has progressed over the years how do you what's your philosophy on the way that you grow your own career uh, I think you take advantage of uh, opportunities in the best sense of take advantage um, businesses change they're dynamic roles open up um, and you want to be in a position 
to put yourself out there and to try new things, to earn those roles. And I think that really builds muscle um, and talent and and it keeps you curious and interested to be able to do different things at different times. So you, you don't get in ruts. You don't get tunnel vision. When you're an operator, it's you can look right down and get blinders up so easily. So really listening uh, and be in a position to proactively take advantage of those opportunities that come up in other roles that are within, say, in my world in marketing or across marketing and sales and customer success. And I, I think those are the things that happen. Real quick on MarTech, think 10 years ago, these systems didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Someone raised their hand, probably someone a few years out of school and say, hey, I'll learn that platform or all. And today, these many of these Um, leaders are marketing operations executives. That job didn't exist. And now they have a very lucrative career that's sitting on uh, the dashboard and, you know, the, a really close advisor to the CMOs and and CROs. And so that's a great example of taking advantage and capitalizing on a, on a shift or a trend. You know, certainly done that in your own career, uh, especially taking on the role of CGO, but what does the evolution of the chief growth officer role look like? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know what it looks like uh, when this was presented to me. And, you know, I, I was a CMO for almost 12 years and, and a couple of different companies and, you know, and different roles and different markets. And when this came along a few years ago, it, it sounded very interesting and challenging and something that the company needed, but also where I thought I could, um, not just add value, which is critical, but expand my knowledge and and put to work some of the skills that I've built over the, the last several years. So I don't know where this goes. And I don't even know if it's going to be you have a seat at the table as a CGO or if it's a temporary thing. But for now, it's it's been interesting and challenging. And, and I've honestly enjoyed it. We'll have to watch. Definitely. I'd also like to ask, so we've talked about technology from a professional standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, do you have a guilty technology pleasure? Um, you spend too much time on social media? Well, you you know, when, when you're in marketing and sales with a chief growth officer, you're using apps like LinkedIn regularly, um, of course. Yeah. Um, in your personal life, you've got an Instagram account to keep track. And if you're keeping track of uh, all your uh, other friends and colleagues and former mates, then you use a Facebook. So there's all of those um, kind of elements. I don't, I don't really overuse technology. Um, I, I'm a more utilitarian. I, that's so boring. I know. Uh, I wish I had this guilty pleasure with this great story for you all. But if you saw my phone, you go, oh, okay, you have the ride share apps. You have apps. And they're organized in folders. I travel a lot, so I have a travel folder. Um, it's actually quite boring. Um, I now challenge me to go out and express myself. Maybe it's organized. Maybe you guys, I appreciate it. Maybe, maybe that is the app that, that, you know, the fact that you're so organized is your uh, guilty tech pleasure. Um, (laughs) make that fun. (laughs) Describe what line, what you think your family would say that you do. Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I had uh, one of my godchildren staying with us, and she goes, I don't know, but he talks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that to me summarized 
And I think it's the environment of being on and being a collaborator and a connector of so many people in the sure. role that I, that I play. Um, but uh, I think that the talk a lot is, 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 is part that comes with it. Um, it's always fun when uh, we do new hire onboarding. Uh, the, the first session is, all right, you're going to a, a pub. What, how would you tell your friend uh, to describe integrate? And that is just a blast because you can't get into details like you're talking to one of your buyers or someone who may know, but you have to keep it high enough level. Mm. But honestly, what people talk about, I think, in, in my role is being such a strong unifier and a connector of people and of ideas and of concepts. And I, I spend a lot of time on that and that manifests itself in communication. So that's where the uh, Darcy in the bio that comes around of speaking and writing. It's an outpost of being in such a uh, fortunate position of being on the front seat of a roller coaster where you really get a view into all that's happening. And I try to reflect that back, give that back into the community. And and that's an important role. But at the end of the day, um, uh, to be honest, it's my job is to hit numbers, to drive revenue, to drive relationships and, and make that number. Uh, yeah, I think it is so important to pass it on to the community. And you, you know, do you have a lot of experience? Is there a moment that you would define as your greatest leadership success or experience? Yeah, um, I was on the board of a company and was asked to join. At a time, the company was going through a tremendous transformation. The market was getting just, the market they served was getting hammered. And it really required a new form of leadership. They had to leave all the past behaviors and markets they served and it needed to be made over. And in a couple of years, we made the pivot and the turn and a company that was had gone from a very high valuation to you know close to out of business um, sold four years later for near a 12x multiple. Mm. And it was watching how the people and how the leadership changed the culture first, mm. um, changed the, the product in the market, go-to-market mix, and created a culture of winning. That was the most satisfying thing. And I was a board member, maybe a hands-on board member the first few years, but it wasn't about me. It was about experience and watching that transformation when you're not on the front line every day doing the work. You actually could see it play out almost like, motion which you're up in the booth watching a, a, a football match right where you're, you're seeing it and that was pretty interesting mm, fascinating. and that I've had many moments of people where they make breakthroughs in their careers which are always the most satisfying to me um, that's why I do what I do but I just that one um, career moment was something they'll never forget um, about tenacity and grit and culture and bringing people together and and That was exciting. Thank you for sharing that, Scott. Our final question, what are the one or two things that are top of mind issues that you're working on today? Yeah, so uh, we're working on our own um, transformation here at Integrate. And that transformation is we were uh, really uh, what I, I don't know if this is appropriate or if the analogy works, but I'm going to go with it. We were the queen of an anthill of a very important market that got integrated to a really nice milestone as a high growth software company. 
and we conquered those markets and were strong. And then we began to build into other segments. So we were number one in third-party demand gen. Then we added events uh, with an acquisition called Accrue and brought that into the fold. So we've been doing these um, really great product and solution areas. Today, we're, we're entering a much bigger stadium and arena. We're actually going to bring all these uh, channels and, and technologies and data together to deliver on that buyer account, buyer and account journey. So um, the work really is, is doing all the foundational and strategic and the go-to-market um, that we are going to do to take this next level and play on a bigger playing field, which really is the next chapter of, of marketing technology. So it's exciting. That's the big initiative we're working on today. I think digital transformation is helping accelerate our market, yeah. and we're very thankful for that, although it can be scary certain days and uncertain um, certainly in life, we all know that, but from a business standpoint, we're all trying to figure that out and do our best and navigate through this. Scott Vaughan, thank you so much for your time. If you enjoyed this conversation, then subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever amazing podcasts are found. Thank you for your time. You've been listening to the CEO.digital show. Thank you.